The epistle for this 12th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Brethren, such is the assurance I have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. He also it is who has made us fit ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministration of death, which was engraved in letters upon stones, was inaugurated in such glory that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly upon the face of Moses on account of the transient glory that showed upon it, shall not the ministration of the Spirit be still more glorious? For if there is glory in the ministration that condemned, much more does the ministration that justifies abound in glory. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. That time Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I say to you, many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see, and they have not seen it, and they hear what you hear, and they have not heard it. Behold, a certain lawyer got up to test him, saying, Master, what must I do to gain eternal life? But he said to him, What is written in the law? How dost thou read? He answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart and with thy whole soul and with thy whole strength and with thy whole mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said to him, Thou hast answered rightly, Do this and thou shalt live. But he, wishing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell in with robbers who after both stripping him and beating him, went their way, leaving him half dead. But as it happened, a certain priest was going down the same way, and when he saw him, he passed by. And likewise a Levite also, when he was near the place and saw him, passed by. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came upon him, and seeing him was moved with compassion. And he went up to him and bound his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Setting him on his own beast, he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more thou spendest, I on my way back will repay thee. Which of these three, in thy opinion, proved himself neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? And he said, He who took pity on him. And Jesus said to him, Go, and do thou also in like manner. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Fathers, dear faithful, we just had this um, rigorous pilgrimage, and our intention was focused on Catholic education in honor of Mother Cabrini and this great work of forming young souls. And I just want to emphasize how important is the choice that parents make in regards to the education of their own children there are many reasons why this choice is crucial. The first reason is the fact that children are so malleable. They are most easily influenced when they are young. You know how it is when we become adults. We, we become hardened and, and set in our ways. It's hard to change us, but it's very easy to change us when we are young. And so the, the education, the formation that children receive has a huge impact upon them. Also, I mean, we, we form lifelong memories um, when we're in school of 
that, that will remain with us for the course of our life. And chances are those, those memories will, will have more life in our minds than the memories we form later on. They, the, the later memories uh, don't have as much time to, to stay in our mind that we perhaps uh, are not remembering so much what we did when we were 30 and, and 40 as, as what we did as a youth. Uh, it's the, the things that move us uh, in, in our sentiment, the, the uh, environment that we had as a child. And then, of course, there is only one childhood given to us that we go through whatever formation we receive in our childhood, whatever education we receive, it's done, and, and, that, and that's it. There's, there's no possibility for parents to, to say, okay, well, let's try this over again. We're going to move you back to childhood, and we're going to make another choice with regards to education. There is only one childhood. And so it's so important for parents to ask themselves, um, what do I want for my children? How do I want them to, to turn out? What do I need to provide them so that I can reasonably anticipate that they will turn out well? Of course, I know um, all of all parents, just, just by their nature, just by the, the, the love that the God has given them for their children, all parents want the very best uh, for their children. They want them to, to grow up and be successful, to have a happy and, and fruitful life. Um, but we must realize, as I say, that, that the education that their parents chooses for them um, ha- plays a very crucial role in making that happen. That is, after all, the whole purpose, the primary purpose of education is to prepare the children, form the children, and get them ready for their adult life. And there are really two major components of that education if you're saying to yourself, what, what will my child need? Well, your child's going to need something on the supernatural level, and your child's going to need something on the natural level when they become an adult. On the supernatural level, they're going to have to be strong enough in their Catholic identity, in their Catholic faith, such that you can expect them where they are out on their own in the big bad world, um, that they will hold on to that faith no matter what, that they will persevere in the practice of their Catholic faith. On the natural level, you want them to be, to be sufficiently virtuous, su- sufficiently responsible, um, sufficiently strong in order to handle the challenges of life. You really want them to be an adult when they finish with their education. They're able to bear the burdens of this life. You know that one of the hot-button political topics today is the question of school choice. And um, these political leaders, some of them, some of them promise that, that okay, we're, we're going to guarantee you school choice, that the parents will be able to choose uh, which school their, their children go to. Um, and that's, that's a very important right of parents. You know, it's, it's a blessing so far that, that we still have this in the United States, that there's still freedom for parents to choose whether kids go to school. Um, you're not forced to, to put your children in this school or that school, whereas it's not the case in, in some other countries several countries around the world where you don't have that choice. And, well, for the Catholic living in the United States today in this 21st century, we can basically reduce uh, the choices they have to three options. There is public school, there is homeschooling, and there is Catholic schooling. Those, those are the three main choices. And I just want to consider the respective advantages and disadvantages of these three venues for the, Catholic, for the, the education of your children with public school, it's obvious that, that the, the advantage, the, the main advantage is, is that it's free. It, it costs nothing. You know, we the, we the taxpayer, we bear the burden 
of paying for the schooling of the American populace. So our money goes to fund the public schools, and then it's an extra burden to turn around and pay money for the private school for your children. You're paying both, both for the children in the public schools and you're paying for the education um, of your own children in a private school. So it's definitely a lot more affordable to send your kids to a public school. Public schools often have more opportunities in the way of um, college preparation or sports. Um, the, the facilities they have are, are more up to date. There's billions of dollars poured in into the schools to, to make them on material level have a lot of resources. And basically, we can reduce all the advantages of the, of the public school to just simply the question of material advantages. Um, a lot of parents would think, oh, I can expect my, my child to have a better career uh, if, if I put them in the public school. It boils down to them wanting their kids to have a good job when, when they graduate. At the same time, there's just such huge disadvantages to having children in the public schools. A great danger uh, for children because children naturally relate to the world in which they're formed. Um, each school is a world unto itself, and they enter that world and they soak in the environment of that world. Whatever its spirit is, they want to conform themselves. This is just part of being a human being. I want to conform to the environment in which I am formed. And of course, children need companionship, especially teenagers. They need companionship. They need friends, and they will be looking for friends, and they, they are going to, to form close friendships with whomever they find. There's always going to be certain uh, students in their class who they're going to gravitate to, they're going to be attracted to, and they're going to form that close friendship. Anybody who's worked in schools will, will tell you that you can look at a class, you can say, okay, this is the friend of that friend, these are the BFFs, you know, I can pick them out because I know these, I know these, these kids. It's just natural. This is the way it, it happens. And what kind of friends are they going to have in, in a public school? Um, chances are that the friends are not going to be very good. Then there's this terrible reality that we have in, in today's schools where the children are just quite simply being corrupted. Um, it's, it's terrible to see because the ruin of innocence is the worst thing possible. The, the rise of transgenderism where we now have twice as many children identifying as transgender today than five years ago. And this is not, this is not by accident. I mean, obviously, uh, even, even just 30 years ago, everybody knew if they were a boy or a girl and had no problem with that. Um, but now there's just such this pressure put upon children in order to encourage them to switch to another gender or think, identify in another gender. It's, it's the destruction of, of their life. And just um, the, the the hairdresser that we have in, in Bennett, when I was going to, to get a haircut, she she told me one of her clients came in and was telling her this horror story of her, of her child in, in uh, the public school. Who she has this girl who's just a tomboy. You know, this has always been been a thing. Some some girls like to climb trees. Fine, still a girl. It's, it's not a boy. It's still a girl, um, and her happiness is going to be in being a girl. But. Um, this, this girl's a tomboy and, and the mother gets a, a call from the school and says, we, we want, we want to put your daughter in our, our basically gender affirming care that we have at our school. And the, the, the mother says, absolutely not. There's no, we, we re totally refuse this. Um, and then 
that was that was the end of it for that moment. But but then later on, um, the 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 school board was still trying to force the the girl to enter this program, and called up the mother again, trying to put pressure on her. And she says, "That's it." She pulled her daughter out of the school, and they moved to Florida. So, but I mean, we we just have to recognize that that there's this there's this agenda to pervert children today. And if you put your children in the public schools, that's what's likely to happen. Also, all the errors and the, the, the false teaching there. I mean, just to give the example of history, you know that they falsify American history, basically say that um, the United States was, was built on, on slavery and, and just encourage uh, children to, to hate their own country. Um, again, I mean, it, it's just like there's the perversion of our, of our natural instincts, um, a perversion of, of what it means to be a human being, a, a perversion of, of, the, of the love that you should have for your parents or, or your own country. And the children are, are, learn, are, are taught to approve all manner of evil. Whatever anybody wants to do, you have to tolerate and, and approve. Um, so they're, they're taught that the approval of all behavior is something that's good. No wonder then that, that Pope Leo XIII, um, in one of his encyclicals, he says, it is the duty of parents, above all, to refuse to send their children to those schools in which there is danger of imbibing the deadly poison of impiety. The other option that, that I mentioned, a second option for parents, is homeschooling. And obviously, um, there's, there's a lot of situations where parents only have two choices. They only have the, the choice of public school or homeschooling. And rightly, a lot of these, these parents, they say, I don't want my children to be corrupted and perverted in the public schools. So I will keep them at home. And this is the main advantage of, of the homeschooling option is that it preserves children from being corrupted in the public school. Parents are also have, able to have a greater influence on their children, perhaps be um, in some respects closer to the children. Homeschooling is also uh, more flexible. You, you, you don't have to um, take care of driving your, your kids to school and, and driving them back, and, um, especially on, on days that it's snowing or whatever. Parents uh, f can, can find that difficult. There, there's definitely an investment in sending your children to a school. At the same time, um, homeschooling cannot of itself provide the children all that they need to prepare for life, one of those main purposes. It, it can preserve them um, from corruption, but it cannot provide them sufficient life experience. They, they, they need to have these close friendships. They need to be in a formalized environment so that they can get ready for their adult life. And just being at home is, is not sufficient for that. It's teenagers especially, I mean, as, as the children get older, um, it, they, they find it more homeschooling more and more difficult um, because they're looking to their future life and they, they need this companionship of their own peers. They need to measure themselves against their own peers. They, they need to, to look to their future and say, what, how am I going to insert myself into this world? And they, they don't have it. It's, it's like they're, they're permanently grounded when, when they're at school, they're at, they're at home all the time. Also, just as, as human beings, we, we find it hard to be disciplined and motivated unless we have some external uh, motivation for us. Usually that comes from being around others who are doing the, thing, the, the same thing. As I, as I mentioned, the, you know, the, the school creates an environment 
and the children want to conform to that environment. Um, they want to turn in their homework on time. They, they want to do what the, what the teacher says. Um, they want to get along with their peers because that's, that's what everyone is doing. They want to follow the rules of the school. Um, but it's, it's hard to be motivated on a day-to-day -day basis when you're on your own. Besides this, it puts such a huge burden on the mother. Um, she has to be everything for that mini school that she's forming. Um, obviously, she's not capable of replacing 20 or 30 people, a whole institution, uh, to be the principal, the dean of discipline, the vetter of the, of the curriculum, the teacher of, of all subjects, um, to be the, the one source of knowledge uh, for their children. Many, many mothers, I mean, they, they feel overwhelmed by this huge task. And as, as time goes on, some of them feel a bit guilty. They, they want to give to their children all that they can, but they're being asked too much. They have to be a superhero to, to be able to accomplish all of that, especially if they have many children. So it is really the only the Catholic school that's adequately able to prepare children for their future life on both the supernatural level and the natural level. The Catholic school provides uh, the preparation on the supernatural level in that it creates this, this Catholic environment and um, nourishes the, the children in their faith through their, their contact with, with the priests and religious, um, through the assistance at, at the sacraments, through the, the children imbibing a Catholic spirit by just having that world, having that, that Catholic mini world in, in which they're, they're being educated. They truly are formed um, in the Catholic life at their school. And, and we may expect that, that if they've, they've received that Catholic education, that they are likely, they're much more likely to hold on to their Catholic faith for life. And the Catholic school um, gets them ready on the natural level as well by forming them in virtue and self-control. As, as the public schools form the children in anti-virtue and just letting themselves go, um, the Catholic school uh, uh, prepares them by giving them, them discipline, response, sense of responsibility, and true virtue. And I assure you that, that that is really the main thing that your children need if it's a question of getting a job and pursuing a career uh, after, after their schooling. Um, how, how many times do we see just um, our students being easily hired by, by, by places uh, just because they, they have a level of responsibility above the, the common mark? Even if your children go to college, just if they, if they have good study habits, they have a good sense of responsibility, they will succeed. I assure you of that. So you don't have to worry so much about that. And there's, there's often a lot of opportunities in the colleges um, to get scholarships or get it partially paid off, especially if you go in state. But besides that, I mean, there's, there's a reason why Catholic schools exist. And, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a proud um, part of, of our Catholic history that the Catholics have always been heavily invested in education from the very beginning of, of our Catholic history. But we also have many beautiful examples from the past 200 years. You think about all these saints, and, you, and there's, there's certain saints who are like the education saints. Uh, they, they invested themselves in schools, whether it be St. John Bosco, St. Mary the Cross in Australia, St. John Baptist de La Salle, St. John Eudes, whose feast day was yesterday, Mother Cabrini, Archbishop Lefebvre himself, so many others have worked really hard to start schools. And you can think about Mother Cabrini. We've just been reflecting so much about Mother Cabrini in, in the, in the past, past two days and her beautiful life. And um, now we've, we've placed her, her statue 
the back of the church. You can go back there now and um, venerate her, say a prayer to her, light a candle over there by her statue. But when she came to the United States in 1889, um, she didn't say to herself, well, you know, there's, there's plenty of, of government schools here, or the parents can just teach their kids themselves and they'll be fine. She didn't say that. She said, I need to work really hard to start Catholic schools. And she and her nuns sacrificed so much to, to start these schools. And it was amazing how soon after she would start any school, all of a sudden it was just filled with hundreds of children. They, they, uh, the, these parents were, were very anxious to entrust, uh, so happy to, to have these schools found by Mother Cabrini or nuns who wanted to entrust their children to these nuns. And as they say, this has happened throughout the entire history of the church. Just look here in Denver. I mean, there's, there's so many Catholic schools because education is, is a very Catholic thing. We don't think about so much the, the Protestants as being the forerunners of, of education. Obviously, it's, it's a, a real shame what Catholic universities and Catholic schools have, have become today. It's, it's a crying shame, but it still is a testimony to the Catholic spirit. Pius XI, he says, from the earliest days of Christianity down to our own times, fathers and mothers, even those of little or no faith, have been sending or bringing their children in millions to places of education under the direction of the church. So in, in the end, for, for the complete package, you need both the church and the family in order to educate the children. These are the two entities who have been given the mission by God for the education of, of the children. God God has asked the family to form their children. God has asked the church to, to form the children as well. And my dear faithful, let us, let us remember that, that this life is short and that we only have one chance at it. Um, God has given you this precious gift of bringing new life into the world, um, this, this new life that, that comes from you, that, that, that uh, bears your mark uh, physically uh, upon them, your, your own children. And I know it's your most ardent desire to give them all that they need so that, that, that day, when that day comes, that, that they will be adults, that they will have all that they need to make it to heaven and also have a happy and prosperous life here below. And what they do in this life, to a large degree, will be based on the decisions that you made in, in their education, in their formation when they were children. And you must be willing to make whatever sacrifices are necessary to provide them with all that they will need. And I think just it's, a, it's a, an important prayer intention to pray to our Lord and Our Lady to be guided and strengthen in these crucial decisions that you make for your children. And so be very prudent in the choices you make. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.